What's going on, everybody? This is your boy, Nathan Crankfield. Excited to share this episode with you today. This is part two to the biggest problem with men today. And so hopefully you listened to part one, which came out a few months ago. But today, my my good friend, one of my best friends, uh, Lucas Walschlager, who's the business manager of Seeking Excellence, former net missionary, former culture project missionary, uh, just an absolute G, joins me again to discuss this topic of masculinity and the many things that plague masculinity, the many things that weaken masculinity, and what a big problem that is in the church and in the world. And so I hope that you take this message to heart. Uh, say a quick prayer because this one gets pretty real. This is my warning. I don't usually give warnings on this, but I did, I think, break my cursing record in this episode. So be advised for that as well. There's some um, explicit language in this one because I get pretty passionate about men. And when I'm talking about masculinity, I tend to be more uh, a little bit more rugged in that way so uh forgive me for that if you hate it um we can work on getting that bleep button look checked into so checking into that so (laughs) hope you appreciate it nonetheless and uh yeah just take it in and uh um share this with anybody who you think could really benefit from this message because it's really a powerful one want to encourage you again as always to sign up for the seeking excellence newsletter Uh, go to those who seek.org check out our website Um, we're doing some updates to that here soon, but we're doing a lot of updates and a lot of upgrades in the coming months to Seeking Excellence. We've got some big things coming up, some big giveaways and just big exciting news and, and new content that we're going to be sharing. And the email is going to be the primary way that we get that out. So we ask you to sign up, join Seeking Excellence in that way and never miss anything and just get that inspirational content that you can check out and read and these things that you hear us talk about that you never remember to go to the show notes and click on. Those links and things will be sent out in the email as well, um, along with other content that we encourage you to check out to help you grow in the seven pillars of excellence. So God bless. I hope you enjoy. You were never out of the fight. You were created for a time such as this. And you are now preparing to be sent into battle. God is calling you to be his disciple, to be formed in virtue and holiness. He has appointed you as an ambassador of his kingdom, to go and represent him to his people. And he's enlisted you as a soldier of Christ, to be sent out to fight for the good in this world. You are not made to make excuses. time for you to take extreme ownership for your life, for all of your life. It's time to rise up and finally be the man or woman you were created to be. Follow God. Lead others. And never surrender. It is time to begin seeking excellence. My dude, Lucas, how we doing, brother? Oh, we are doing. How are you? Bro, I'm good. I'm thinking the last time we recorded together, I don't think we were both engaged. Was it after Easter? Huh? I was engaged. You're new to the No, no, for sure. No, for sure you were, but I don't think I was. So now we're both engaged men, which is exciting. I might have been newly engaged when we recorded last time. I can't remember how long ago it was. I know we've canceled this recording no less than seven times. Yeah, for sure. 
<laughs> which is which is actually incredible, you know. And yeah, yeah, here we are. So part two will be coming out roughly, I think, six years after part one did. But you know, better late than never. I always say, you know how I roll. Time is flexible. Hey, hey, time is relative. Am I right? <laughs> It also just gives all of you people out there the opportunity to go and research this stuff for yourself. Like, That's right. What a gift. Go re-listen to the podcast, the first podcast, like 10 times, and uh, then we'll be ready for this one. Amen. That's what I'm talking about. That's the commitment and dedication we hope to see. So, Lucas, talk to me, man. What's the biggest problem with men today? Bro, it's it's pleasure. <laughs> it, Literally. Yeah, it's... Well, the technical term is effeminacy. So many men are just effeminate. That's, it, it, it doesn't take any super brilliant person to you know, look around the world and, and see that that's a major problem. Uh, I think you know, people like ourselves, we would say that it's probably the chief of all the problems um, because it, it totally incapacitates men to be men. You know? And I think yep. specifically for a refresher, uh, effeminacy being the this like inordinate attachment to pleasure. Um, it is obviously, it's definitely something that men and women fall susceptible to, but definitely men. Where I think, I, maybe you could speak to this a little bit too, Nathan, based on your experience, but I just look at my own life and there, especially before I came back to the faith, there was a it was just so easy for me to gravitate and give into routinely different pleasures, right? And and to become essentially a slave to those. Um, and now that I'm kind of on the other side of that, I see that, man, that was definitely the number one vice uh, of my teens and early 20s, you know? Right. Uh, it's just this attachment to kind of the the playbook that the world, the flesh, and the devil just kind of lays out for all of us, particularly men, in a society where everything is easy. <laughs> mm. Everything is so easy. And we'll talk about this a little bit more, but how back in the day, like, life wasn't easy. <laughs> My great-great-grandfather came over from Germany at the beginning of World War One, and homeboy came into New York City on a boat with 13 brothers and sisters, something like that. And then they went out to Wisconsin. He was sick of being around his, his siblings. <laughs> so he and another one went out to North Dakota because they were giving land in the middle of February. No cars, like, like carriage, horseback. No, no heat. Thing. Yeah, nothing. <laughs> and they homesteaded and, and the farm is still there. And so I, I think about those times and even That's crazy. further ahead. And, and there was just a, there was an acceptance of the fact that there is suffering in life. And just because there's suffering doesn't mean that we become any, any less responsible or like embracing of the duties of life, you know? Um, Absolutely. Anyway. All that to say, that's what I think is kind of the crux uh, today for men. Yeah. And I think, yeah, that's so big, you know, and, and just talking about the ease and comfort in the U.S. I think about that all the time. 
and was actually listening to I haven't listened or watched Gary Vee in a really long time but I was watching a little bit of him today and he's just he constantly says this and I think it's so interesting because I'd love to know I feel like he's got to be a libertarian but I don't know like his political stance but just obviously I'm sure he's against massive taxes and he's very pro I think it's, it's so interesting to me you know because I've always been like such a big and you know this about me like I love motivational speakers like him Eric Thomas you know, dabbled in, I had like a Grant Cardone phase, realized he's kind of crazy, but still enjoy some of his motivational stuff, you know? And you wonder with these people all the time, even the ones who are super secular, right? Like Eric Thomas really started to share his faith in the last like five years, um, but really kind of always shared that he was kind of Christian. But even like your Gary V's who are super secular, right? And will preach about empathy and, and virtues and all this stuff. It, it's amazing. You stop to think you're like, there's no way they're, they might be liberal in certain areas, but you know, they're not leftist because like all they preach is personal responsibility and ownership and taking control of your life. And so Gary Vee often says that this is the best time to be alive. He's like, worldwide, this is the best time to be alive. And he's like, and if you're in the U.S., he's like, it's unbelievably good. And he's like, is there racism and all this other shit? He's like, absolutely. The sexism exists? Yes. Do we have problems? Absolutely. Not denying any of that. But he's like, do you realize <laughs> like what the Black Plague was like? He's like, do you realize what World War II was like? what the civil war was like, you know, the great depression. And he's like, we complain when our Wi-Fi is too slow or when the AC is not as strong as we want it to be. Or like everything that we, like, if you think about it, bro, almost every complaint, if we, I bet if you watch tomorrow and you like wrote down all the things that people complain about, most of the inconveniences that people complain about, we didn't even have available to us a hundred years ago, 200 years ago. Bro, 35, 40 years ago. <laughs> right. <laughs> It's in an SP. I mean, we were just complaining about it before this, right? I'm getting frustrated with my Wi-Fi falling in and out. <laughs> and so we're guilty of it too. And I think that's important to recognize. And you're just like, man, like how soft am I to complain about some of these things? And like, not just complain about them because it's fun, right? And you have to vent. And sometimes you do have to complain about silly stuff. And that's all important. But at the same time, I think that it's really, it's just critical to like recognize where we're at and put things into context. And to say, okay, I'm not going to be a complaining person. And I'm especially not going to let some bad Wi-Fi dictate my experience of my friend. You know, when you and I are just talking and catching up on here beforehand. I'm definitely not going to let some slow Wi-Fi control my anger and, and like help me, like allow me to get out of character. Right. But we live in this kind of outrage culture where you're allowed to be outraged. You're allowed to be angry all the time. And it's allowed to, you're allowed to pin that anger and your lack of emo emotional control and maturity on other people. And that's justified. And you're almost deemed non-virtuous if you're not outraged, mm -hmm. right? Like if you're not susceptible to being blown up emotionally at any given point in time, right? That's why we see all these viral videos that I think are hilarious put out by like the Daily Wire and people like that. They put these compilations of feminists screaming in the car, right? Screaming and crying in the car about Governor Abbott lifting his mask mandate or whatever it might be, right? And they're twitching and being all weird. And it's just like, whoa. That's not virtue. <laughs> you know, like there's nothing, there's no goodness in that. But I think that we have to, especially as men, kind of really reflect on, man, like you legitimately, and you have something we can get into here, like what men are designed for, like, like I'm literally designed to go through hardship. And it's not just man, but like as a human being, right? Like to be made in the image and likeness of God, to fall in the footsteps of Christ, like that's what Jesus did. You know, and Jesus went through it with the most grace and patience and love and joy that one can go through any type of hardship. And he went through the utmost hardship. 
you know? And it's like, and we just, it's just unbelievable to me how quickly when we face inconvenience, when we face social pressure, when we face setbacks and adversity, how easily people quit, you know, Mm -hmm. and I fall and I stumble all the time. I constantly say this to people, but like, and I'm sure this is true for you too, but like one of my most things that I get most proud of myself for, and like, I get emotional oftentimes, not oftentimes, but like, like usually once a year, every other year, like I'll have a moment with the Lord where I feel like he kind of speaks this to me. I just like something simple, like I'm proud you're still here, you know? And it's like, no, I'm not perfect. I've made horrible mistakes in this last year of my life, right? Like I'm not even at this place of like living sainthood out and like I've, I've mastered it, right? But he's like, he's like, he kind of will show me along the way. He's like, remember when you like started this journey when you were like 13, then like 18, 19, you really committed. He's like, remember all the people that you were with then are no longer with me, you know? And like, there's just this, this passion, this like self-assurance or, or just kind of like this um, gratitude and just like this contentment when you know that you've like not even finished the race, but you haven't quit yet. Right. And I remember feeling that in Ranger School when you watch people start to quit and drop out and fail out. And you're just like, it, it starts to, you start to build momentum with that. Cause you're just like, I'm not going to leave. I'm not going to give up no matter what happens, no matter what it takes. I'm not going to give up and I'm not going to, I'm not going to, yeah, I'm not going to just, quit on myself. I'm not going to quit on my God. I'm not going to quit on my friends and my future spouse, all these people who are counting on me. But yeah, we need challenges and we need to stop shrinking from challenges and actually start to create them and seek them out because a lot of times life in America doesn't give them to us. Enough. Yeah, especially these days. Yeah, life. We And we we make the mistake of we've we've been trained to get into this mentality of like what can i what can i what subscription can i purchase what uh uh way to work can i take and and all these things to cater our daily lives to ease right and you you actually you mentioned gary v his parents are immigrants from russia um and so he he was raised in a family where his dad and mom came to the united states with zero <laughs> And then they build this wine empire and, and, and so many other people like that who, who talk like him, apart from the fact that, you know, he's probably a little bit more secular humanist than anything. <laughs> he's oh, yeah. like, he, no element of grace, but just think how much more we as Catholics, we as Christians have this understanding that grace builds on nature. And if someone like that can embrace the reality of life that is Fulfillment comes from responsibility. Fulfillment comes from embracing it, from being sacrificial, from laying down our life, and ultimately growing in virtue, which virtue, (laughs) you know you have it when you do the difficult thing and it's sweet to you, right? And we need to get back to that. We need to get back to that. And we need to, we need to, as men especially, uh, take a second to step back, just kind of like you, you were talking about with that experience with the Lord that you have every so often. You really need to take a step back and and kind of analyze like where are we at? <laughs> uh, yeah. In all of these, as we talk about here at Seeking Excellence, like in all of these facets of life, and how have I allowed in this world where comfort is king ultimately, and pleasure and and the like. Where have I allowed these to creep in and essentially rob me 
of the fulfillment and excellence and virtue and holiness that God actually desires for me and is actually making very, very clear through the church and things like that, that it's attainable. <laughs> um, you know, the church tells us time and time again that you will always have grace sufficient in your state in life for mm-hmm. salvation, for holiness. You always will. And so what are we doing to cooperate with that in the midst of, I mean, this, this, this pretty glaring issue, which is effeminacy. So, um, no, for sure, bro. That the checking I think is so big, and so I want to go through a couple of things you just shared. There is is thinking about Gary Vee and like that hustle, right? And obviously, like you said, he's pretty secular and has some probably though very anti-Catholic views in a certain sense. But I think it's so important, and and I've gotten to see this up close, and I've always cherished these moments of being with people who I literally think are like modern day saints, right? I'm thinking of like Father Meyer, I'm thinking of Sister Lisa Valentini, who I've gotten to spend time with, and like. When I just remember one of my favorite moments with Father Meyer was doing night prayer with him when I stayed at his rectory after speaking to the young adults one night. The next day I was speaking to the youth ministry group. And the next morning we had a cross country uh, meet because he's the cross country and track coach at the local public high school because he's a G. And so we're doing this, we're doing night prayer together. And like my man just fall, straight up falls asleep sitting up. And it's like what you you think, like he's not old, he's not out of shape, right? Like he like he's just like legit giving himself all day, hundred percent, sprinting through the day and crushing it. My man also, it's not like he doesn't go to bed early, right? Like he goes to bed at like nine o'clock or eight thirty and wakes up at five or something like that, right? Like he has his minimums of sleep that he gets at least seven hours every night. But it's like he's really grinding and and that same get after it, like no matter what, whatever it takes mentality Gary V has, Gary V has. Father Meyer, I've seen Sister Lisa do it. Like these, these people, and even saints of the past, they've had that work ethic that is really like, let's get after it. And that's the saddest part when you think about men in the church specifically, is that if there's anywhere where this like type of masculinity and strength and perseverance and fortitude should have like lasted, it should be in the church. But we've allowed it to just be super watered down. And so I want to encourage people to, and, and men and women to take that check of yourself. You know, you said to stop and just kind of reflect like my one of my one of the least accurate self-assessments that we do is when we tell ourselves that we're busy most of the time. Right. And it's like I used to say this in college all the time. It's like, are you like everybody said I started noticing. Right. I just think I'm somewhat observant. And I started noticing that the 4.0 students who are involved in 10 different activities on campus and the 2.5 student who does nothing but go to class both said they were busy all the time. And they had no time to do anything. And I'm like, how is that possible when they go to the same school, they're in the same classes, right? They're in the same major. And one's crushing it, one's not. Like, where's the extra time coming from? And, and usually the person that's crushing it won't complain about how busy they are as much as the person who's not. Mm-hmm. And so that was something I had to really stop to think and be like, what does busy actually look like for me? And I started to emulate and look after some of these people who are great and were achieving great things in their life and succeeding in all these different areas. And being like, okay, I want to hold myself to the standard of excellence. This is where a lot of this philosophy came from. It's like, I want to hold myself to a standard of excellence. I don't want to be like everybody else who's not busy, who's not doing shit and, and thinks that they're so tired and so busy all the time. And it's like, do you even know what tired really is? Mm-hmm. You know, like, do you even know what being tired legitimately is like? Do you even know what being hungry is literally like? Most of us don't as Americans. 
ever experienced real hunger. We don't know what it's like to be like truly exhausted and tired, you know? And it doesn't mean that you like beat yourself to where you're unhealthy, but it does mean, okay, maybe I don't need to watch TV for three hours a day to actually relax, right? Like maybe I don't need all of this, this leisure time with other people in my life every day if I'm not taking care of my daily duties, right? If I'm not being a good steward of my body, if I'm not being a good steward of my mind and reading and growing, listening to podcasts, watching YouTube videos, whatever it is to learn, if I'm not making time for prayer, then maybe I don't need to hang out with my friends all weekend long, right? And just being a little bit tougher in that. And the other thing I think is a good self-assessment, bro, is like, we, we often talk about this, like people do, but like, are you, the difference between being hurt and being injured? And I, I mean, it's, it's one of the most frustrating things I experience with men all the time. I was just talking with a friend of mine today, a female friend, and she's telling me about this guy that she was talking to. And he kind of gave her this, like, they, they were talking for like three months or something. And then he kind of gave her this like soft ass, you know, I'm just kind of going, to, I got some stuff I got to work out and just some growth I need to do. And, and just kind of like vaguely left it and didn't really like talk about a way forward. And even just the fact that how long they were like talking, but hadn't dated, like, it was just like super immature, emotionally immature. You know what I mean? And I'm just like, man, it, it, it just comes back. I just always think of the Grant Cardone. Uh, one of his, one of his, one of my favorite slogans of his is don't be a little itch bay. <laughs> Which is pig Latin for those of you who don't speak pig Latin for don't be a little bitch. And he would say it all the time. And he says it in 10X rule, he says it all the time, right? Don't be a little itch bay, man. Don't be a little itch bay. Cause I always listen to those audio books. Come on, man. Don't be a little itch bay. And I just think about that stuff, man, with like guys like that in those circumstances. And it's like, dude, that's you're like, you're just being a hoe. Like just stop being weak. Like you might be hurt. I, I talk about this a lot, right? The analogy of the battlefield, right? As a platoon leader, like you might take some casualties, but the war is still going on. There's still other people depending on you. Like you might need some, some wound and some healing and some wounds and some healing needs to stop. And maybe you do need to get out of a relationship, but not being clear, not stating your intentions clearly, not like being transparent about where you're at or how you feel so that you're playing with the emotions of another person. It's not okay. It's never okay. And we just, we, we just, we have this, emphasis and this like warped view of mental health stuff that like you can claim you have some mental health shit going on you can just be an asshole i think i broke the record from most curse words in episode so far but you know what i'm saying though like you can literally just be like oh i'm just going through a really hard and you can just be a jerk and it's like i i try to be and i err on the side too much sometimes of like pushing things to the side and not processing them but I usually err on the side of i have to like tell people in my life like i have to like open up to my mom i have to open up to emily and be like Hey, just so you know, I know it doesn't seem this way, but like, I'm actually not thriving right now. And like, I'm really like miss my family and I really miss my friends. And I really wish I could see Lucas and Dan and Bob, you know what I mean? I'm like, and I really, you know, feel lonely here. And I really don't like this apartment that I live in. And I have to like be, I have to like open up about that stuff because I don't, I just kind of drive on. You know what I mean? It's just a soldier in me. I'm just like, no, we have like a mission to do. I have things to do. Like God's calling me to do things. And it's helpful. And it's, I think that I err on the side of being too, you know, bottled up with that stuff sometimes. But I still think that there's way too many people, especially men, who err on the other side of every time they stub their effing toe. It's like my whole life has to stop. I'm going yeah. through some things. I'm uncertain. It's just like, no, you're just being a itch bay. Yeah, they they become uh, professional emoters. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Oh, yeah. That's Father Rippergert. Yeah. What a one, baby. They just... Uh, they're gaping wounds. That's, that's what, that's what happens. And I think, um, 
everything, yeah, everything you said is, is on point. And for all of you listening to this, if you really want to know what Nathan Cranfield is most passionate about, just listen to this podcast. <laughs> That's right. These are all the things we're getting hyped tonight. It's been about 30 expeditions already. I left, I, I, I stopped counting, but it's, it's for something that is definitely worthy of this conversation. Um, so I, I really do think uh, since the first episode and now half of this one, we've just really grinded out. Like we, we've, gotten out our thoughts <laughs> for all of you men out there uh what the heck do you do I, I i think that we have to diagnose like firstly what are the sources of this vice you know like yeah. what, in today's 21st century in in this world what are the sources of this and again going back to the point of the fact that we don't stop and reflect we don't stop and take a look to take a look at our life and how we've shaped things and habits we've built and all of these things because, well, it's easy not to, but also life is so simple and it's so easy. <laughs> yeah, uh, It's so pleasurable when we don't do that. But we have to realize that today we don't have the luxury of doing that, especially if we want to be a saint, especially if we want to be virtuous. I think there's really three things. Especially, and even just like your desire, I mean, you're probably going to get into this, but even especially if you want to be respected. Dude. And that's, that's our, that's our other hot take is if, if a man is effeminate, a woman will not respect you. Nor will men. <laughs> Nor will men. And, <laughs> and even more vocally. Not probably. even dogs will. Yeah. <laughs> like literally yeah. most animals sense the beta male yeah. immediately. <laughs> definitely, definitely sense it. Um, yeah. Anyways. Yeah, this, man. That's exactly it, though. I think, and, and you know, just kind of reflecting on this beforehand was thinking about, and I talk about this a lot in our uh, relationship stuff that Emily and I have done, but this love and respect balance, right? Um, that's written about a lot from Christian marriage experts, where the, they argue that a woman's, a woman's deepest desire is to be loved, while a man's deepest desire is to be respected. By and large, across, you know, the globe, when surveyed, that's what men and women say would you rather be loved or respected men typically say respect women typically say love doesn't mean it's true for everybody and it doesn't mean like obeyed and like you're the master of the house right like it just means that a man would rather as a man i know for me i i prefer much more when emily says i'm really proud of you i really respect the way that you handled the situation or i'm just so honored by the way you did that or i'm so proud of how hard you worked or you've done such a great job lately then when she says, I love you to me 27 times a day, right? Like, there's no shortage of those. Um, and I love that too. And I appreciate that. And I'm grateful for that. But that, we just have kind of different drives and desires. And I think that a lot of times, just like the love languages, men don't express how much they love the woman enough because they just always say, you know, oh, I'm really proud of you. Or, that was great or good job, honey, or whatever. And vice versa, right? Where the woman's like, I tell him I love him all the time. Of course I love him. Mm-hmm. But a lot of times for the guy, when you deep, dig deep into a lot of marriage stuff, the guy's problem, the woman typically, this is another way to look at it, is the woman typically feels like she's unloved when there's problems. And when the guy feels like there's problems, he typically feels like his wife doesn't like him. Yeah, so it's not- always like, yeah, she loves me. No, she definitely loves me. Like, I know she loves me, but I really don't think she likes me. <laughs> and a guy wants to be liked, and not like we want to be liked like we're people pleasers, but like it, it, it I remember, in, especially in past relationships, some of my biggest hangups are like, I like you legit don't act like you like me, <laughs> you know, like you say you love me, you do all these things for me, but I'm like, 
you don't act like you like me. one of my favorite things about emily is like she's pumped when i enter a room you know and it's just like yeah i feel like you like me you know um and just how big that is but yeah I, and this is written innately on a man's heart and i think that this is just speaking to some of that more practical side like obviously we want to be saints obviously we want to seek virtue obviously we don't want to be weak men we don't want to be weak people but uh another thing written deep in your heart is like you want to be respected you want to stop dealing with all this this crap from everybody in your life you know you want to be able to like set boundaries and, and stick to them and set goals and achieve them and um have people respect you and look up to you and like ask you for your advice on things and you want to be a leader right you don't want to just live some mediocre life where you're just playing video games watching pornography bouncing from relationship to relationship because you can't figure it out and you're always blaming the woman you know what I mean? Like you have no self-control, no self-discipline. You're miserable. You're in a ton of debt and you're out of shape. Like nobody who wants, who dreams of that as a boy, like who looks at the kid, the guy who's 40 years old, when you're watching movies, you see the fat ass dude who's 40 years old, you know, watching porn in his mother's basement. Like who looked at who, what 10 year old, 12 year old boys like, that's what I want to be when I grow up. And we might not be like him in every way. We might not be exactly that, that resume, but how many, how many men out there take parts of that? And that's what they are right? And we end up being the loser that we didn't want to be. And, you know, I don't mean loser in this like macho man sense of, you know, you got to be a bodybuilder and all this, like, and make a million dollars and all these different things, but just like being a good steward, taking good responsibility of your life. And you know, when you're doing that, when you're not, it's written in your heart. Yeah. Yeah. As, as men, we, we have to cut through the fluff in life. Yes. We really, we really have to shape very consciously and very systematically. We have to shape our, like how we think, how we act, how we uh, operate day to day um, in a way that, that is ordered, <laughs> in a way that is noble and respectable. As much as these are taboo things these days, I've never been happier as a man in my life than the times that I choose to do those things. <laughs> never. Right. And I can, I, I can't speak for you, Nathan, in terms of the service you did in the military, but my guess is that there was, there was a pleasure that you got from a rightly ordered life in the regiment of, of, of military, of the military mm-hmm. to an extent, right? There's, I'm sure there's situations being in Afghanistan or whatever, that it's extreme and you're, mm-hmm. it's tiresome, but I, my guess is that you you don't look back at your time in the service, Nathan, and you say, like, there wasn't, like, I fully uh, uh, hate the fact that I made that decision. <laughs> like, there was nothing I took away from that. I'm softer than when I started. There was no pleasure. Right. In the fact that I built up certain elements of my life and habits and virtues. There's nothing good that came from that. I bet you can't say any of that. No. Exactly. For sure not. There's 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 something robust and um and 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 mature and um something greater than you ultimately that you were willing to uh lay your life down for. And that's I think that's where we as men, particularly speaking to you, men, that's where we were truly happy. And that's, that's also where people, 
people will look in at that man from the outside and be like, I want to be his friend. <laughs> right. Every single time. Because osmosis, when people are around people like that, they want to change. They want to be better. They want to experience that kind of a life. And that's 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 the cause and effect element of um, rooting our life of something like effeminate tendencies and truly being virtuous. Uh, right. Yeah, man. And it, it, that just leads me to thinking about like, the the root of the question I feel like for the church when I get asked all the time of like where are all the men how do we bring the men back to church it's like you know what I think why it's so hard is that we've so lulled men to sleep in this uh especially the aspect of them that like actually does hunger and want more like it's so numbed now that they can't even they can't even see that it's empty yeah right it's like putting like Novocaine into a man's stomach, right? Like it, like what he hungers for the goodness, the truth, beauty, and goodness that a man hungers for. Like we've so numbed that through all of this stuff and the ways that we set men up to fail in today's world. And it's not to make excuses for men. And especially if I was talking to a man, I wouldn't talk to them about all the, uh, you know, I would, I wouldn't mention the ways that they've been set up to fail, but it's not exclusively because of that, that men aren't men. Right. But I still think that we, we need to really recognize, man, like how much we're not providing those opportunities, right? Like, I mean, think about it, even, even if we look in the world today of like, I don't know if you've seen this most recent army commercial, and this is going to come out like two months from now, but have you seen it? Yeah. Or it's like the, the transgender cyborg who was like born with two moms and um, yeah, I don't know. It's wild. It, it's like she grows up to be like an army intelligence uh, something or something like that. I can't remember, but I didn't even watch the whole thing. But it's just like, man, think like think about that. Like that is not the commercials that I saw when I was ten for the army. Mm-hmm. And now think about how like we we only look at as a society uh, how like that empowers in air quotes empowers a, a very very small you know, extremely tiny minority in the country, right? Of people who struggle with gender dysphoria. We don't recognize how that literally ostracizes and does not help a majority of 50% of the society, which is the male population, right? Like it just, it actually destroys us. And, And a lot of people, the saddest part about that, bro, and you and I both know this, is that so many people recognize that and actually do know that and say nothing and do nothing. Because again, we go back to, we cower and we fear and we do all these things, right? We're so afraid. Um, you know, and it just kind of brings me back to, uh, and one of my favorite um, uh, Jim Caviezel speeches when he spoke at, I think it was SLS. I don't know if you've ever seen that one, but he quotes the William Wallace speech, right? And I used to watch that speech all the time, bro, because it like really pumps me up. And you know, you and I can both get hype about some freedom. Uh <laughs> And, uh, but he quotes that speech, you know, and the one guy's like, no, we're going to run and we'll live. And that's how most conservatives are today. Most Christians, most Catholics is kind of like, well, should we stand up and fight against this bullshit that's going on in our society? That's ruining our kids. It's ruining the next generation. That's ruining our country. The greatest country to ever exist. And we're just letting it slip away by crazy people. And it's like, should we stand up and fight against this? And they're they're just like those bums, those bum farmers in Scotland <laughs> that William Wallace was talking to when he's like, no, we will run and we will live. 
And he's like, what will you do without freedom? You know, he's like, sure, you'll run and you'll live. He's like, and laying in your bed many days from now, would you not give every day from this day to that for one chance to come back here and tell our enemies that they can take our lives or they can't take our freedom? And it's like, that's what we need to, that's what we don't have that anymore. And like, I mean, why is William Wallace like a masculine legend, right? Like why do all of us know and love that movie and that line, right? You know, that speech, right? It's because that's what we, that's when you're a boy, like that's what you look up to and you're like, yes, I want to be willing to fight for and die for what is right. Like I want to be a hero. But so often we just settle for being a scrub to the point that we become a villain. Right. Because at a certain point, passivity actually makes you evil. I've said this many times in these upcoming podcasts of the devil owns the fence. So eventually, when you're sitting on the fence for a certain period of time, you just end up on the wrong side. You know? It's crazy. It it, it is. It is. So, where do we go? (laughs) That's that's the age old question. I, I do think. Tactically speaking, like for all you men out there, everything Nathan and I have said the last episode, this episode, now recognize the fact that I, I've I've identified in my own life that there there are really three things that I see going on in the world that are holding us back in 21st century America. Right, a lot of us don't work very difficult jobs. <laughs> we don't. We just don't. I work from home. Nathan works from home. Like my life could be so easy sitting on a computer all day, <laughs> right? Pajamas. Like it's easy. Our life is easy. Most of us don't do hard labor. And so, first off, recognize that if you do have a difficult job, kudos to you. If you don't, figure out ways to make your day more difficult, not for suffering's sake, <laughs> but to grow in those things and, and, and to, and, and to be a man, honestly, yeah. to be a man. Cause if you think about it, like, gosh, there's just something about like using, using tools, like busting something up or mowing the lawn or fixing something. I, you don't even have to be good at it, but right. for most men, I think that there is a delight that comes from doing those kinds of things. Oh, for and, sure something to be said about the fact that we're meant to to exercise ourselves in those ways and so if you again when it comes to work figure out a way to optimize your day not overly because we will always tend towards ease but in a way that is balanced and and integrates in working out getting outside engaging in relationships doing some physical exertion, um, find a, get into gardening, like woodwork, something, right. You know, you can, you can exercise some form of like physical labor. Right. Um, I think that, that will do so much for men in and of itself. Um, Mm. and then, and then from there, I think technology as well. We have to we have to really be aware of the fact that we live in a very technologically advanced world, and it's only becoming more advanced day by day. Um, and I think that this this is 
this generation, you and I's generation, and the one right after us, is the first where every moment of our day through technology can be catered towards feeding my appetite for pleasure. Every moment, always engaging in some form of stimulus. If it be ear, if something's in our ears, if it be we're watching something, we're scrolling through something, uh, we have to be really, really conscious of what is this doing to us uh, psychologically, physically, and emotionally. Um, because most of us just live in this mode of like, we're just, again, we're just feeding this. So how are you as a man going to take a step back, especially again, if you worked at, at home, right? If you don't have any elements of your day that is difficult, truly, truly arduous, you know, this is, most of us don't live the life of Nathan when he was in ranger school. <laughs> most of us have Not never even me. experienced that, you know yep. what I mean? And, and so how can we at least in some way uh, take a step back, do more reading, um, you know, do something that, how about just be silent? Pray. Pray is hard work, man. Prayer is work. Truly. Truly, truly, truly. If you know anything about the Benedictines, um, they, they live by this motto, prayer and work. And pray, they just recognize work is work, but prayer is also work. <laughs> you know, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's difficult. Yeah, exactly. It's a sure. how... How can we, how can we, you know, find ways in our life to uh, not be so attached to technology, to not just simply disengage from difficult things when it comes to work? Because ultimately, if we don't do this, we're just going to be like the, I don't even know the statistics at this point when it comes to pornography. Um, we're just going to be like the majority of men who have completely given themselves over to pornography. Yep. Right. And I think this whole notion of, of feminacy, I can't think of a greater vice that is really like keeping so many men uh, from taking that step forward that you and I are talking about, Nathan. I can't think of anything outside of that. It's destroying everything on the individual level. It's completely taking away any sense of personality in men. It's destroying men's understanding of sexuality. It's completely eliminating any element of true masculinity. And it is by far one of the most unattractive things that a woman could probably uh, know that you partake in. <laughs> um, yep. And that's not, I'm not saying this as someone who's condemning anybody who might struggle with that. I think it's just, we have to, with difficult things, we have to, we have to truly swallow the difficult truths. We have to, we have yeah. to come to grips with it. We have to own up to it before we can ever really make any changes in our life. We have to. <laughs> and yeah. listen to Nathan at any time throughout this, throughout the entire time we've had this podcast. These are the things he's been preaching. And when the rubber finally hits the road in life, 
we have to, we, uh, as you said, Nathan, we have to decide which part of the fence, which side of the fence we're on. Yeah. Really. And the devil owns the fence, man. Yeah, it's crazy. Uh, I was trying to look up some quick stats. I, I can't find any right now, but it's, I mean, the stats on pornography especially are just, I mean, unbelievable. I mean, for a while there, it was like, what was it? Three out of every four men and like, or 50% of men were addicted and like 25% of women or something. Yep. Don't quote me, but it was, it was catastrophic. About two, all right, here's some right here. About 200,000 Americans are classified as porn addicts. 40 million American people regularly visit porn sites. 40 million. 35% of all internet downloads are related to pornography. That one's really crazy. I know, yeah, I wish I had uh, my one notebook because I have stats from the Father Ripperger talk still. Um, 34% of internet users have experienced unwanted exposure to pornographic content through ads, pop-up ads, misdirected links, and all that stuff. It's crazy. Here's some stuff from Covenant Eyes, too. Um, man, uh, there's uh, virtual reality porn. Should be a billion-dollar business by the year 2025. I didn't, even, I didn't even know that. I hadn't even heard about that. But it's crazy, man. Um, $13 billion in revenue for porn-related businesses in, you know, yearly. One in five mobile searches are for pornography. Sure. It's yeah, it, it's really well. It's, the fact of the matter is like concupiscence is real. <laughs> Going back get to this, the, yeah, thirty thousand, roughly thirty thousand people are watching pornography every second. Three thousand dollars every second is spent on porn on the internet. <laughs> think about that in regards to not only like effeminacy and think, but like think about just like the financial ruin that most people are in. Oh, for sure. And three thousand dollars is spent every second. Every every part of their life, bro. That's fifteen grand in five seconds. Yeah, yeah. Thirty thousand dollars since I read that stat. That's insane. And so, yeah, everything you just said was really great. So, thank you for sharing all of that. I think you know we talked a lot about the easiness and stuff. I shared a lot of my thoughts on that. And the uh, technology, I think, is really big, and it ties really well into the pornography aspect of it. And pornography, man, is such an important thing. And I think. You know, for a lot of people, this is really the first time we've talked about it on here. Father Chase and I talked about it a little bit. Um, we've got more coming out on it that'll be more in-depth on that topic. But I think just as it relates to effeminacy and the problem in the world, um, something that I've been thinking about a lot recently that I think this episode's better to talk about this on is like, I've just been thinking about, and, and you know, I've, I've, I was exposed to porn at a very young age. I think I was like 10 or 11 um and struggled with it in like my early preteen years but then like really like most of my chastity struggle was with women you know what I mean like I had a lot of sexual sins with with women and things like that and it doesn't mean I didn't fall in other ways too but um I just never I don't think I ever like past the age of 13 would have ever said I was really like and even then I don't know if I would have but would have ever really said I was addicted to pornography but I have a great empathy and compassion for those who are just because like I know what sexual temptation is like and I can imagine how hard that is um, with pornography, something that's so easy, right? But it's so like shame inducing and the world obviously tries to twist it and say that we're embarrassed and shameful because of the stigma, right? It's just the stigma. 
just like we, we say this a lot of times with like same sex you know displays in public on tv shows was just the stigma we just gotta get rid of the stigma of these things or when you see a man who's just like a, a six-year-old girl a grown man with a beard right and a beer belly that's just like a little girl it's just a stigma right like it's just us it's just that's all cultural that's just made up and it's nonsense because we have this thing called natural law that philosophers have been talking about for thousands of years even non-christians non-jews right have been talking about natural law which is which is what we call reason and this is the reason why Catholicism is so important in this, because Catholicism talks about faith and reason, where you have a lot of Protestantism and a lot of heretics over the past 2000, 2000 years have tried to separate this two, right? And just say, all we need is faith, right? Like your works, actions doesn't matter. Reason, like all of that doesn't matter because there's been so many people who have gone the extreme side of reason, right? Like think about like the French Revolution, right? The humanistic views, right? Where like reason and human reason is everything. And it's like, no, it has its place. But faith and reason are meant to go together, right? Like they're the perfect duo. And when you have those things, you understand that we also have a conscience. And in our conscience is written the natural law. And so as a human being, I don't have to be told that it's wrong to kill you for no reason or just because I'm angry, right? Like the idea is that even if when Cain killed Abel, for example, even all the way back then, like even if his parents didn't explicitly tell him, do not kill your brother, he still felt bad about it afterwards. Right. Like once the anger kind of subsided, he was kind of like, oh, shit, like this wasn't good. That's why he hid it. That's why he covered it up. Right. That's why he tried to hide and all these things. That's why we do that. That's like it's not just not just because of culture or stigma that a parent has that when you're 11 years old, 12 years old, 13, 15, 22. Right. And have roommates, whatever it is. And you're watching pornography in your room. You lock the door. It's not an accident. Right. But I've been thinking about this a lot recently. Lucas is like when you like and this is kind of graphic, but if you ever see like a a dog like playing with themselves right which is like it's always weird and it's kind of like what the like you, you yell at them right and you like stop now imagine them doing that at like a dinner party right like people are dressed nice and you're like having your friends on your dogs like playing with themselves in the corner like that's what we look like masturbating like think about how weird it is to watch pornography and this isn't just like to bash people and like create shame but like like we have to have this kind of real realistic. Sometimes we need that slap in the face and like a, a literal, like, what the F are you doing thing? Cause this is kind of what it did it for me. Like pretty early on that I was like, that's like, it's weird to watch other people have sex. You know what I mean? Yeah. And like, you need that kind of intervention. I feel like realness sometimes to be like, dude, like what you're doing, like your heroin addiction is like, it's hurting people, yeah. you know, like it's actually hurting me. And like, they have to like express and tell you how it's hurting you. The problem with pornography is your addiction until you get to the point where you're married and you literally can't have sex with your wife or, or you can't have sex with your husband. Cause it's not just a men's only issue, right? Like women struggle with pornography too. Um, and, and there's a lot of great work and things out there. You know, my, my friend Bella Bryan at restore love has some great resources for that. Um, Emily's done some great videos and things on, on women and pornography. There's a lot of, a lot of growth in the resources for women in that area. But when you can't have sex with your spouse, because you've been watching porn, and doing all these things and you're like sexually just all jacked up like dude like that's when it kind of hits and so that's the kind of effed up part with a porn addiction versus like a gambling or drug addiction because you can like gambling or drugs like it gets pretty quick where it's like this is really starting to affect other people right and it's pretty obvious right it's kind of the similar comparison between like when you have weight issues and you have money issues like you can kind of play the money issues off for a while and people still think you're doing good right but if you're fat you're fat and people can tell now in today's world people might try to not body shame you won't you know make any judgments about you being unhealthy but still everybody kind of knows that you're overweight right your pants don't fit anymore you definitely know it 
But with pornography, it's kind of like money where you can kind of like act like you're good and just keep going along for a while. And it's so interesting because I do think that in the church to a certain extent, I've always been kind of not scarred by this, but passionate about it because I feel like I had so many guys or, or women, when I, especially when I was in college, who knew of my struggles with chastity with women, with that I would know that the guys that they still looked up to, even though they thought I was a dirtbag, were addicted to pornography. And I'm just like, you know, like for, for those out there, this I think should be some consolation for those of us who have been, you know, physically unchaste with other people is like, we're all sinners, right? Like it's all unchaste. Like it's all, like it's, it doesn't mean that every single sexual sin is the exact same or, or offends God at the same level, but it, it doesn't mean that like you have a lot of people out there who are judging you or you're afraid of judging you in church who are also all types of jacked up. Right. And there's a t- careful balance there of recognizing that we are all sinners. Right. And we're not calling them hypocrites. Or I'm not saying that they're wrong, but I do think we have this like extra judgmental view on other things. And almost like we've taken the world's advice that we are too stigmatized about pornography. And so we like allow that to exist in our lives while still simultaneously judging everybody else for their sins and their mistakes. Mm-hmm. Because it's just so commonplace. And it's like, dude, no, like you need to stop. Like we want to have healthy, holy families and marriages. And you cannot do that addicted to pornography. And it's important that you stop now because you're not going to have this altar switch, this sudden flow of grace, right? When you get married or so I hear, I haven't done it yet, but so I hear I'm not banking on it. You're not going to have that. That's just going to help you just completely, utterly switch. And it's a process, you know, and luckily the covenant eyes and fight the new drug. And um, Matt Frad has a ton of great resources on this stuff. It's a process and there's ways you can get by it. And like, I mean, reach out to us if you need help with this. You know, it's, it's something that I always felt kind of personally unprepared or un, uh, you know, not as great, especially back in college, because I really didn't know how to help people that were dealing with that. Um, but I've learned a lot since then. And if you need help, like, I mean, reach out to us, reach out to somebody else, like go to those websites and we can put a bunch of that stuff in the show notes. But man, you just can't play around with it. But just think of, I just think about that thing about the dog, you know, and how like weird it is when the dogs like lick even just licking themselves even if they're not being sexual right and they're just like looking and you're like stop that's weird like the dog doesn't know right dog's just being an animal it's not weird to them but it's like but but bro you're not an animal when i uh when i was with the culture project still i i would get into classrooms with uh sophomores juniors seniors and we'd come to the point of talking about pornography and masturbation and sexual sins and i'll say all right all right boys i'm gonna i'm gonna like set the scene for you let's say, you know, school gets done, you don't have any practice or anything going on for the day. You just get to go home, you get to roll up into your house, go to the fridge, you get yourself a nice snack. For me, it was a bowl of cereal. (laughs) And then you eat it, you go downstairs, you realize nobody's home. You go and you shut your door, you turn off your light, you turn on your, your computer, and you basically have sex with yourself. How cool does that sound to anybody? Like, honestly, how cool, how cool would it be if someone knew that that's what you did? Right. Zero out of 10. Zero out of 10. And all of them knew it, you know, but, but it was still something that almost all of them had either experienced or struggled with. And, and I think it's things like that. Again, like you said, Nathan, like we're not here to shame anybody about this because it is a genuine struggle. I would say for a lot of people, a borderline like psychological people actually need to get assistance with it which is right. which is fine like 
please, please do so. It's only bad if you don't do that. Exactly. And that's the only form of weakness at this point. Once you know that there's a problem. We have to, we really have to, we have to come to grips with the fact that this is ugly and it's undesirable. Right. Not just from others looking in, but truly deep down, nobody wants that for themselves, you know? And that's, that's the case with, with all of these things we've been talking about is we really have to, we have to get off the fence. We just have to. Um, and be virtuous. <laughs> yeah. Know? Legit. And it, so there's still so much you could talk about about this, but yeah, it's, yeah, it comes back. Have to get it comes back to so many things we shared last time of just talking about like you can't go it alone. Right. And I just remember, dude, like how much, you know, I mean, it helped me so much. It helped me. And uh I had a friend in college. We went to Kairos together and we came back and it was like we were both like, okay, we're gonna really do this thing. Like we're gonna really give chastity a shot, right? Like the Lord is real, he's risen, he's alive. Like Jesus, I've met him, he's changed my life. I want to follow him. And we made this pact. We're like, dude, this is going to be kind of weird. We've only been friends for like six months, right? Like we just met in college. And we're like, we're going to hold each other accountable. And we're going to do this thing. And so uh, we did. And like every time we fell with ourselves or somebody else, like we disclosed it. And it was awkward and it was real and it was crazy, right? And I've had, I've had several friends where I had that relationship with them. And it's hard. It's hard to bring that up. It's hard for me to say, hey, Lucas, man, I've been struggling with this. You know, I've been struggling with pornography, with masturbation, with falling with my girlfriend, whatever it is. And to say, like, I need your help with that. You know, like, that's not easy, especially for independent and people who want to act like they're cool. and They've got it all together. Like, it's tough. And you can't do that with all of your friends. Right. There's a lot of people in a lot of friendships that you shouldn't disclose that to them. Like, you need to find somebody else. But it, it's worth I mean, it goes all the way back to all the friendship podcasts and stuff we've already talked about where it's worthwhile to have friends like you and I have with each other and with other people, because then you can come and say that, you know, I can be transparent. We can talk about these things. Um, and you can say, yeah, I need your help. And you can seek that help, but you can't do it alone. You have a hundred percent casualty rate. If you try to go and do this Christian male, Christian woman thing for a lifetime alone, you can't do it. One of, like, the, great, one of the greatest compliments you can give a friend is being bold and courageous enough to, to ask for help. You know, like, yeah. As a friend myself, I've never, now don't get me wrong, there are horrible friends out there that do this. And at that point, I don't think they're friends. Right. Uh, but I've never scoffed at somebody who's come to me and, and disclosed something they need help with, you know? Or, yeah. or even like in our conversations, you talking about different struggles and things. And mm -hmm. That's never my reaction. That's never the reaction of somebody who actually wants what's best for you. Um, right. It's like if you were on the bench press, right? And you were like going for gold and you're trying to like one rep max and you yeah. can't get it up and your friend's standing behind you, but they have their back to you and they're like watching TV or something like that. Right. And they're just like mesmerized and caught up on the screen. No headphones in, you know, you could scream to them and like you could just say their name and they would help you immediately. And that the only way you can get that weight off your chest is if they help you and you just lay there instead and it's like you don't look tough you don't look cool you look like a dumbass and you especially look like a dumbass when you die in that scenario 
right? Which for us is eternal death, which is like not getting to heaven because you want to allow your pride to suffocate you. And that's what it is. It's just, we're talking about the weight of sin. Like that is what is too heavy for you to bear on your own. And you need the grace of God and you need other people. That's why God gives us each other. That's why he calls us the body of Christ, right? That's why scripture tells us we're the body of Christ. We all play different parts and we all need one another. Like St. Paul says, I think it's 1 Corinthians 12, where he talks about the foot can't look at the, the foot can't look at the hand and say, I don't need you. The hand can't look at the eye and say, I don't need you. No, we're all the body of Christ. We need one another. That's why, that's why we actually go to confession and ask. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And we go to mass together. And yeah. And, and, and the, the, the sacrifice of the mass is in person, in the, in the presence of others, in the, led by a priest, you know, yeah, it, it's so critical, man. Um, yeah. It's big. Well, good stuff. I think that's a good way to pause. I think we got through another like 8% today of this, yeah. of this outline, which I'm really excited about because that means we have a lot of content still to go through. And so hopefully in another 12 weeks, we'll be able to record together again. By the time we record the next one, we'll probably be together in person. So we got that going for us. We'll both be married. Who knows? <laughs> yeah, hopefully not that long because I still got about 305 days. So, <laughs> but who's counting? You know, you. who's counting? No, it's hilarious. Well, good stuff, man. Well, I appreciate your time tonight, brother. And thanks for being so vulnerable and sharing the truth with people. Um, we just really encourage you guys, man, to, to, to take this stuff seriously. Share this with the men in your life. Share this with the women in your life, but share this with the people who need to hear it. And don't just share it from us. Like I, I, we definitely make this to be shared and to help, but we also make this, you know, something that's so important for people to understand of our philosophy of seeking excellence is like, we also make this content so that you can be a leader and so that you can share it, right? We want to equip leaders. We want to equip people who can go out and change the world. We want to equip, inspire, and empower people to, to make a difference in their lives and in the lives of other people. Nothing I share with you. I don't, I don't, we don't spend this time that we could be spending with our fiancés or, napping or reading or working out or praying like even doing good things or just relaxing doing this stuff so that it ends with the next person right like somebody entrusted this stuff to us and was bold enough to tell us the truth about pornography and masculinity and sainthood and we want to do that for you and then we also do that with the expectation that you're going to do that for other people and that you're going to pass it along you're going to pay it forward as well and so take that to heart and like really like accept the responsibility that, you know, you have to be the one in your friend's lives to ask them how their spiritual life is doing, to ask them if they're struggling with these things, ask them if they need your help or to ask them to help you and open that up. Cause you'd be amazed. Every story I've ever heard of somebody, of somebody opening up a pornography addiction or an eating disorder or, uh, you know, sexual addictions in other ways, whatever it might be. The other person always has a cross that they're bearing that they haven't opened up to about anybody. Like it happens so often, you know, you're not alone. You're not the only person experiencing these things. So don't make yourself, don't believe the devil's lies that you're the only one going through this. You're the only one struggling. You're the only one. It's a lie. Scripture tells us the opposite is true. St. Peter tells us that your brothers around the world are experiencing the same, you know, fight against temptation. And as Lucas said, God's grace is always sufficient for us. 2 Corinthians 12, go and read that. My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. That's what God says to us, even in the midst of our struggles. So be sure to check out all the things in the show notes, all the stuff that we linked for this one, all the resources available for that. And we also want to encourage you to go on again and uh, sign up for our newsletter. 
which is revamped. It's new. It's popping. It's hot. It's got great content. We'll be putting resources like this kind of stuff in there every week, inspiring you, encouraging you with different content that we put in that. And we just want to encourage you too to become, you know, really we're going to, we're working to develop more of our kind of inside club, right? Our kind of ambassadors of, of sorts. And we just want you to continue to share our content on the podcast, on social media, and through the email. So go and sign up. That's how you really join the team is signing up for the newsletter. So I want to encourage you to do that. Lucas, thank you again for everything today. And hope you guys fight hard until the very end. Be your best.